Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and this is actually our 51st episode of the show, which means that last week we officially became 50 episodes old. And it took me a little bit to let that sink in. I think I kind of glazed over it and was just a little bit tunnel vision and didn't even mention it on the last episodes. And some of my friends were like, hey, that's that's a big deal. And I was like, you know what? You're right. It is a big deal. And I think last week's foul tip of the week was even celebrate all victories. And here I am preaching to you, but I got to walk the walk too. So I'm super excited to have reached this milestone and a huge thanks to you for listening and watching. And I can't wait to see where we go from here. And some reminders of more ways that you can support, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Subscribe to Believe in Softball on YouTube and actually watch these episodes as well. Super fun, I promise. But from here on out, let's go ahead and go through today's order. First, we will cover our bases. I'll share some news and updates, as always. Then we'll head into today's interview with Danielle Hunet. She was a softball player turned woman in baseball. And it's a pretty interesting story about finding her path, which we're all trying to do, really. So I'm excited for you to hear that. And we'll end things with the foul tip of the week, our new segment this season, where we share tips to help us get better. So let's jump in. Covering our bases. Now, I hope you're not too tunnel vision right now like I was, because you might miss out on some awesome stuff. But don't worry. That's what I'm here for. And that's what our partner Bet Online is here for, too. We got you. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Let me actually hit you with the trifecta. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place and way to place your bets. And it's free to sign up. Boom, boom, boom. So head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember BetOnline, they are your online sportsbook experts. Softball experts right now are deep in the college season. There's so much happening. And I feel like I say that every week. It's like those reality shows where they say every season is the most dramatic season ever it's like, okay, how, how's that possible, right? But it kind of feels like that with college softball every weekend. And I'll start right away. Just down goes number one, Oklahoma. They were infallible all season. They had the 33-0 record, and they lost to number 22, Georgia, on Tuesday. And it was, it was a tough way to do it, too. It was the bottom of the ninth, walk-off RBI single. The runner scored from second base. I give tons of credit to Georgia, but I will say that the throw from left field to home plate was way offline, and if it would have been good, they probably could have had her, and as a defensive purist, it was a little painful for me to watch, but of course, I have to give it up to Fields from Georgia for the timely hitting of that walk-off. So the historic run is over for Oklahoma for now, but they still have plenty of fish to fry in conference play, and of course, the Women College World Series, and you know what? If you don't know how to lose, it's going to be hard to really be successful. The way to be a winner is to know how to lose and come back and win again, right? So I think especially for the freshmen, you have to experience that. If you 
lose in the World Series and have to come back and make this epic run, well, now you know a little bit of what that feels like and how to get through it. So definitely some positives to take from that. But there are also a lot of big ranked matchups in general this past week and weekend. And some of them actually ended up being pretty decisive, like less all over the place than we would have thought. Like with Texas and Oklahoma, actually, OU did dominate before they ended up losing to Georgia earlier that weekend. They dominated in the Red River rivalry. And Oregon and Washington played each other. Washington swept them. ASU swept Arizona. Florida and Alabama, Florida took that series. You know, it was more decisive than I was anticipating. And I will say that for the Pac-12 in that fourth game of the series, because remember, they're playing four total games in a weekend, Friday, the doubleheader on Saturday, and the Sunday game. That second game on the Saturday doubleheader doesn't count as a conference game. It just counts as a non-conference game for the records. So let's be honest. We saw some teams easing up. Or just it wasn't treated the same way as the other games. You know, Arizona beats Arizona State 15-1 to in that game. It was U of A's biggest win against them since 1994. Oregon run rules Washington 10-1 to in that game. So yes, like ASU and Washington swept the actual official Pac-12 series games. But we shouldn't be seeing run rules like that with these top 10 teams matching up. I mean, they're better than that. And they can score more than one run, too. I know that coaches are kind of mixing things up to see what they can do, different levers they can pull with their rosters and their lineups, but we can be better. But overall, it was still a very entertaining weekend of college softball, per usual. Now with the international scene, the Japan Softball League, the pro league season, opened up a couple weeks back. And we've heard a lot about it on this show, especially in season one. Lots of guests and lots of talent that have actually experienced what it's like to compete in that league. So this year they had 12 teams. The original plan is to play the first half of the season through mid-May, pause for the Tokyo Olympics, then resume the second half of the season in September. Again, great talent, especially in the circle. I mean, we've mentioned some Japanese talent before, like Ueno, because how can you not? But also great folks from around the world, like Mexico's Dallas Escobedo, Team USA's Kehlani Ricketts. Michigan alum Jordan Taylor, like the list just continues to go on. So I highly recommend following along, especially it will be really fun ahead of the Olympics that are going to be over there too. And then, you know what? I got to mention the baseball side a little bit in honor of today's interview, but then also because I'm an Angels fan and that's good enough reason. If you missed it, Mike Sosho is named the manager of the 2021 U.S. National Baseball Team ahead of the Olympic qualifiers in June. So they will compete in the WBSC America's Qualifier in Florida. The exact dates and times are TBD, so stay tuned. But I'm just, I'm excited to have softball and baseball back in the Olympic fold. But as a lifelong Angels fan, like I said, this is a little extra special. So I wonder if they'll have the rally monkey in the dugout. We shall see. But somebody who bridges the gap between these two bat and ball sports is also today's guest. So let's head into the interview. She is a physical therapist for the Minnesota Twins minor league organization and a Baylor softball alum, Danielle Honette. Hey, Danielle. It's nice to have you. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. I know. This is fun. I'm like, I'm excited to talk to you about a lot of things, like your journey from softball to now you're a woman in baseball and all kinds of stuff. But I want to start off with what position did you play? 
that's a loaded question. So if I was going in college, it would be I, I was outfield utility, um, but high school I played everywhere. So I was center field, middle infield, second base primarily, and I pitched. So yeah, a little bit of everything. So you did, did you do like everything but catch, it sounds like? Pretty much. Catch in first base because I'm not very tall. <laughs> that's fair. Actually, that's similar similar to me. I can relate to you because um, it's I played in college. I did everything but catch. So that's kind of why I asked you that. <laughs> so I feel you on that answer. Makes sense. But I love versatility. So this is going to be fun. I can already tell. Um, but how would you like overall, since you and I, we're getting to know each other live on this episode, which I love, um, how would you describe your collegiate softball experience overall? I know that's like a, there's plenty of answers to that, but yes. Um, so my experience is probably far different from most actually. Um, I grew up in a very rural area and so I had no idea what the recruiting process was like. Um, I didn't really, I was clueless going in. And when it came to choosing a college, um, I really just wanted to find a college that fit well. So I actually grew up in Southern Minnesota and I wanted to leave and get away from home. And, uh, when I decided to go look at programs and like, I wanted to play softball, um, I decided to try out and lo and behold, I, uh, I went to Baylor and I tried out for the softball team and somehow I made it, (laughs) but, uh, it was, it was great. So, um, leading into that first year, um, I was, it was a huge learning curve for me. Um, I, I didn't play a lot of competitive travel ball growing up. So that learning curve was huge and, uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. So, so what did you do growing up mostly? Like what made you decide, okay, yeah, I want to try out for the softball team and and do all the things you did. So I grew up playing all different sports. Um, very, we had a very small school, so you could play all three sports. So I was in softball, I did gymnastics and I, volleyball was my probably number two sport, um, considered playing both volleyball and and softball in college and then decided to go with softball because I had the most fun with it. Really. Other than that, I don't, I don't know if I had a great reason. Um, yeah, I did everything in, in high school. So, um, I just really wanted that that college experience if I could do it. Yeah, absolutely. So then what it's you picked Baylor first, mm-hmm. it sounds like, and then you tried out for the softball team. So what was it about Baylor that you were excited about? So I I loved the idea of Baylor because it was away from home. It uh, was warmer weather. Obviously growing up in Minnesota, we I never once had a school softball season where we started outside. It was always in a gym. Um, so I wanted the sunshine. I wanted to leave home with somewhat of a safety net that college, I guess, kind of provides. Um, and it was a big, bigger school, like a big school feel, but with a small school atmosphere. Um, and that fit every part of it. So it, it ended up being a great fit. I really enjoyed it. 
Well, I'm I'm super impressed by the fact that you were like, yeah, I'll just show up. Yeah, I'll try out. Baylor's like a good program. <laughs> you know, like that's just, it yeah. sounds, you're making it sound like so casual. Like, yeah, whatever, made the team, no big deal. <laughs> I, but, I mean, that how was that? Like, it, it is such a high level that they compete at in the Big 12. Yeah, for sure. And again, this probably speaks to my just being naive in this situation a little bit. Um, I went down for a visit. I think it was my junior year just to kind of see, cause at that point you're watching like the women's college world series on TV. I'm like, Whoa, can I actually do that? I think I can do it, but I don't know. And I went and I watched a game and I'm like, I can, pl- I can do that. So it was just being in that situation and kind of watching from the sidelines even, and just knowing you can put yourself in that situation and match up. Um, but even in the moment I, I go back and I was thinking about this leading up to this conversation, about I haven't thought about that tryout in a really long time. I was so amped up on adrenaline. I think I ran the fastest I've ever run, and I'm pretty sure that's the only reason they took me. Because um, <laughs> then we also took pot flies, and I straight up remember launching one from the outfield, like over the head and into the dugout. I'm like I don't know why. I don't know why they took me. But um, no, it was good. I think they took me for my speed. I was a pinch runner mostly. My yeah. So, you know what though? Like people don't always realize how much goes into base running. Yes. Like there there's a lot that goes into it. Like it's not just speed. Like of course, like that's awesome. Like you have to have that <laughs> if you want to be a good base runner, but but all the like the reads that you have to do and like I, like picking up the coaches, like things like that. Like there's a lot that goes into it. So, how I mean, especially at this level that that you got to play at. And then didn't you go to the World Series your freshman year? Yes. So talk about like the year prior, just watching it on TV. And then my freshman year, we had, I like I walked into a situation and a team that was above and beyond like the best team I've ever been a part of. Um, All of them, I would still call friends to this day and I would do anything for any of them. Um, So yeah, we, lo and behold, we had a really great season and a year later, you're sitting here on the sidelines on the field, and it was a little, uh, a little surreal, for sure. So, how did your family like react to that? They loved it. Um, so, my parents, they probably made it to more games than anyone thought they would. My dad drove down quite often um, and would see different games on the road. Um, that fr- my freshman year, we actually had a trip to Hawaii, and so. My whole family went on a vacation and joined us. So it was like a lot of, they were very excited for me in that situation. Yeah. Okay. So your freshman year, you went to Hawaii, got to play there and you went to the world series casual. Again, you're making things look really casual right now. Very, very much. So I say this because I was very much like I was learning so much and I, I value that team so much and how much, we contributed as a whole. Like it was, I viewed myself as a supporting player and like willing to do anything for them in that moment. And I think, I think everyone had that same vibe and I think that's what made us so successful. Um, And I think all of us were, yeah, I don't, yeah. I'll leave it at that. Well, I mean, yeah, when you all legitimately are doing that, like if everybody's putting the team first, you're going to be pretty damn good. You know, like, I mean, 
it's so much of it is is that part, I think, because you can have a, a whole roster of amazing players, but if they're not really working as a team and they don't really care about each other, it's a little bit hard to to get the results on the field at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. But, but then you guys had talent too, so like, great, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> well, I want to ask too, like. So we share a mutual strength and conditioning coach or staff member in our experiences, Brandon Marcello. Dr. Brandon Marcello. He hates when I call him doctor. I don't know if he was that way with you guys, but he hates it. So I love saying it, obviously. <laughs> but in general, and don't worry if he listens to this, just be honest. <laughs> how was your strength and conditioning experience? Like what got you interested in sort of the training side of things? You know what I mean? Yes. No, great question. Um it was definitely my experience with softball that started to light that, that interest. And Brandon, when he was a part of our team, he was our speed and conditioning coach and we had another strength and conditioning coach. So he did a lot of more of the movement based training. And so we talked about base running. Like he was that person that really taught me about base running, like game of inches, the smarts, the acceleration, all the different change of direction, all of that. Um, but it was kind of the combo. So um, like the movement-based stuff, I think definitely intrigued it for me. And then that was my first real experience even in a weight room. (laughs) So learning all the different lifts and kind of what felt good and what didn't feel good even um, were all just new experiences that I think started to get my wheels turning for sure. So, okay, this is where I was going with this in terms of like, oh, there's so much more to base running. The big person who also taught me that, like beyond, like you're saying, the movement part of it too, not even just the reads and the stuff I mentioned, was Brandon. Like he was always very like, we always did drills every practice, like very much on top of it. It was like hard off, hard back, you know, like it was all about like getting our toe up and and attacking the ground, all these kinds of things that you wouldn't necessarily think about like on your own, you know? So I agree. That was a huge part of something where I was like, wow, there's a lot more to this than I really realized. Yeah. It was way more intricate than I ever would have thought. Um, like that just changing direction and like how specific you wanted to be when you took off for your leads and timing it and all the different things that, um, you had to learn <laughs> Yeah, to think about some of those things, but yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. But it, it's really cool. Like, if you think about it more and more, you're like, wow, this is actually really, it's pretty cool. Like, I can see why you were like, oh, this stuff is really interesting. Like, why don't I just make my career out of it? Definitely. Um, and it was like, it just, he gave a perception of there was a smarter way to think about it other than just, hey, let's run, right? It was, yeah. no, there's a smarter way to train. And he really took ownership in educating us in that process. And that really stood out. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely a part in moving my career forward. For sure. There were so many things, like even in the weight room, like you mentioned. So I didn't really lift before training for college, like before, like the summer before my freshman year either, you know. And I actually remember going into that year, Brandon hadn't – officially joined the team yet. So the plans that we all got as freshmen, you know, coming in were from the previous like strength and conditioning coach who went somewhere else. 
And then when he came in, it was like a totally different plan. It was much more like sports specific, like more so about movement. Like you're saying, not just like lifting heavy. It was, it was really, really intricate and I don't know, thoughtful, I guess is like the biggest, like, I, I feel like I could trust Brandon to like, I wasn't going to get hurt, you know, like that, that's how I felt. I mean, it's not like nobody ever gets hurt. Like it's softball. You can get like hit in the face and you're obviously hurt, you know, but like, it wasn't going to be from like doing something that wasn't so smart in the weight room or Mm -hmm. like base running or something like that, you know? Yeah. And he, so when he was with us, it was, he would take us through workouts to help us recover and to allow us to do those other things better. Right. So seeing that side of it even, and knowing that there's just like these intricate layers to the whole process and how you can take, even if you do go up and above that point and then how you can reel it back and still make your body feel good with movement and exercise, um, was awesome. So yeah, actually, you you just hit on something where that he really made me think of too, which was around recovery and how it's like not always that you're overtrained, but maybe under recovered. Yes. That was like light bulb, like, oh, okay, so I can keep working hard. I just need to also work hard at taking care of myself afterwards and before, you know? Yes, for sure. For sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, honestly, we could do an entire series on just like <laughs> the whole pro, like on training and everything. Like we could go on and on about this, but I, I just think it's really cool that your interest started then and like you actually continued on this path to where you are now. So with that being said, what has the path been like from softball player to like now you're with the twins? How did you get from A to B? So a part that I never really shared about with the softball experiences, um, through like multi-sport athlete to now coming to just softball, um, I threw a lot and I developed some incredibly painful shoulder pain. Um, Like by the end of the season, I just remember throwing enough so that my arm wouldn't, would be numb enough that I wouldn't feel it. And that sounds terrible now, especially knowing what I know, but uh, it like, it kind of triggered the whole process in addition to like what Brandon taught us and it got my wheels turning enough to start asking the right questions and going to the right sources to figure out how to do it better. Right. And it seemed like I read an old interview of yours also. Um, I think it was from your, was it from your residency program? It's from university of Evansville. Is that right? Did I make that up? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I stalked you apparently. <laughs> no, but I, I, rem- I think you were talking a little bit about kind of like what you got out of that program and how you built your career from school to where you are now and how you meet people along the way and what you learned and stuff. So I don't know. I'd love for you to talk more about that. <laughs> I think, I, I think that's fairly recent. So I didn't know that. Um, yes. So Like where I'm at now would definitely not have come about without, without Baylor softball and without meeting the people that I met then at that time and going through the challenges that I had at that time. Um, And each step along the way, like they definitely sent me in the right direction. And then it was asking the right questions, taking different courses, um, 
trying different things and failing at a lot of things, um, like starting personal training while I was in school and being terrible, um, <laughs> and like trying performance training and probably being terrible at that too. But now I know how to do it better. Um, yeah. And then PT school, um, residency, I think was the next biggest step that like the people along the way made that happen. So in that same interview article that I read and talked to you with, (laughs) um, I saw that you said, you, you mentioned asking questions that, uh, let me just quote you because I just thought it was so great and it resonated with me. You said one of the things that you learned most, especially early in your career, was that you have permission to fail and to expect it. You said, if you're not failing, you're not growing. The only thing that would actually be considered a failure is if you pretend to have it all together, to have all the answers and don't ask questions. Um, For me, that really resonated because I personally didn't ask enough questions. I think um, not only as a student, as an athlete, as a professional, which you actually also said in this quote, you were like, I don't think we hear this enough as a student, as a resident at the time, or even as a practicing experienced professional. So I guess, how did that light bulb go off for you? 100%. So like, definitely, I'm a perfectionist at heart. And I think everything you want to be perfect. But when you learn, nothing is and you need to be allowed that permission to fail and not have like severe consequences, right? So even going back, I think I was so hard on myself as an athlete, like incredibly hard, um, that when I started on my career, I started to let that go. But it wasn't until probably my final semester in PT school and my final rotation that I had an instructor that kind of laid it out for me like that. So he said those exact words to me that basically you you have to fail if you don't fail, like that is failure. And I think it, it was that light bulb moment that I realized, wow, like I can, I can do something wrong and just learn from it and get better. And that's honestly what has been like the biggest moving piece in my PT career and allowing myself that failure, because that's what also gets patients better, um, is helping them figure out what works, what doesn't work. Hey, it's not, it's not bad. It just helps you get better. So for sure. Um, yeah. No, this is huge because I, so people close to me in my life, like family and friends have said, like, you know, you don't have to be like great at everything. Like you're allowed to try new things and it not be like amazing in the beginning, you know? And when you said like, not letting yourself fail. I remember thinking back to like practice, especially early on in my collegiate career, especially freshman year, being like, well, you know, the coaches are there, right? And you're still trying to fight for a spot, even though it's not game time, right? It's like, so I felt like I had no space and I created this myself, right? Like I felt like I didn't have any space to like try something and fail because I had to have it all together at all times so that like I could make sure I had the spot in the lineup and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, 
that's silly. Like later in my career, I realized that that's not at all how you're successful, you know? And, and so when I saw that you said that, and now that you're saying it now, as we're chatting, I was like, yes, I love this. Yeah. And like, I don't think I did that really. Like I didn't do that. That was me learning from my college experience. I didn't do that as an athlete in college. I didn't allow myself to learn and like to be okay with it. And it, yeah, like I still think back and you get into that headspace and then everything goes wrong, right? So yeah, yeah you learn from that and then maybe it didn't help me out in my college career, but it, it's helped me out where I really want to be successful in my personal career and my professional career, I should say. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I feel that. Like even when I first started this podcast, I was putting so much pressure on myself early on and it was like, who cares? Like, this is just, it's fun. People want to hear about softball. They like it. Like I'm enjoying my time talking to everybody. Like I don't have to be so polished and perfect, you know? And I actually remember going back to it. Like ironically enough, I was like, remember when you played softball, you learned this lesson. So now that you're talking about softball, why don't you apply this lesson? (laughs) Yes. It's so much easier said than done though, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still catch myself in moments that I I don't like. Yeah, even today probably, I screwed up, and then I'm like, oh, I gotta just let that go and let that be Leo be a learning moment. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Okay, so somebody else I had on the show who also was a player who now is like very much in like the movement and training space and all that is um, Dana Sorensen. And actually, funny enough, she and I connected through Brandon too for the podcast last year. So look at that. But it makes sense because he's like, oh, these are great people to talk about this stuff with. Yeah. But she was a pitcher and she had some injuries in college and she learned a lot basically from her experience, you know, not not totally unlike you where it's like, oh, wow, I, I know what I want to do better moving forward and help athletes moving forward. And so Dana said to me that that's actually like a piece that is often missing with trainers, with physical therapists, et cetera, where you feel like you can't like fail. Like you always have to have the answer. And it's like, sometimes you can tell your athletes like, you know what, we'll try this or, Hey, we already tried this. It wasn't the best. Let's try this other approach, you know? And it's like, it doesn't have to be like, Oh yeah, you can never be wrong. You always have the answer. Like, and and it's okay to show that a little bit, like as that person who's some sort of like an authority, you could say, you know, 100%. I would say, the most successful like patient interactions or athlete interactions that I've had in the past have always come from me just being very transparent in my thought process and how we're going to attack their problem Um, and kind of what those steps are. And if that doesn't work, then we're going to try something else. And it still gives us information to work on and it still gets us closer to the answer in the end. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's a process of elimination. I learned that when I was like picking my major in school and like kind of deciding what I want to do with my career. It's like if if you try something and you realize, okay, I don't like that or that doesn't work for me, that's still valuable information. You're now like eliminating things that you know you don't want that gets you closer to figuring out what it is you do want. And in this case, it's like if you do that from a training approach, okay, you can figure out, we can get closer and closer to like what is going to work for the athlete. Yeah. It's just, it's just funny. Like, I feel like every lesson in softball, I mean, this is the case with sports in general, but like for us, like from softball, I can apply, I can 
apply any of it to life. Like any life problem I have, I'm like, oh, I could pinpoint something in softball, you know, where I'm like, oh, I learned this lesson, you know, and I like it's it always just ends up that way, I feel. Yes. Like and I think that's the way sports have been for me just in general, like everything relates back. And that's also what has driven me to even pursue like a career in, in sports in some capacity to be a part of a team and bring some of those lessons to play um, is that's, that's where I like still where I love to live. And uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. So many athletes want to continue playing sports, right? Like what was that NCAA commercial back a while back where it was like, 99% of athletes go pro in something other than sports. It's like, first of all, it's true. Like most people aren't going to be pro athletes, but also there's a lot of athletes that end up working in sports just in a different capacity. They might not be like an athlete anymore, but they're still in the sports world like you, you know, it's like, or even like well, this podcast, like this is still in sports, you know, like it's hard for like when, once you've been an athlete, you can't really let go of sports, I feel. Yes. And like that becomes... So I've had this conversation with one of my fellow residents when I was in residency and just how much of a bond that I developed with her in particular, because we both shared like that sports experience and that like that competitive drive and kind of just different things that you can't quite um, relate to if you if you haven't been in that environment and where that carries you forward and kind of what goals you bring to the table. So I I definitely think it brings such a value to any career, like regardless of what it is. But. Oh, for sure. Because nothing replaces real experience like that. And it really is like a team environment. You know, no matter what career you're going you're gonna to pursue, you're going to be on some sort of team, you know, <laughs> or like be involved in some sort of team. So if you have this team experience, that's awesome. Exactly. Like you, that's, that's, Probably I think the most missed thing in most careers and most businesses and companies is how well is your team working together and how can you communicate with one another? How can you like relate and have like even those, those failed moments and like learning moments that we talked about earlier. And can you collectively work through that as a team um, that every every team experience I've had in the past has prepared me for being a better team player now. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's just so true. And now it's interesting because your team quote unquote, but in your case, like you have an actual team that you work with, oh. but you're also working with male athletes. Yes. So you are like a woman in baseball, you know what I mean? And it's like, how does your day to day look and is it any different, do you think, working with male athletes versus female athletes? I, I personally don't think so. Um, I mean, obviously, there's some differences. Coming in, I came in at a time when my organization already had a lot of great women, um, including Brandon's wife. So I get to work alongside her. Uh, she's brilliant, and I'm really excited to work with her. Um, but they've they've already made it a very welcoming space for me. And all of the athletes, as long as they know that you have their best interests at heart and you know what you're doing, like they want to get better. So they I haven't I haven't felt that really at all. Um, 
And yeah. Well, that's a good thing, right? Like that, that's what I, anyone I ask this question, who's in a similar position to you, I hope that's their answer, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, there was already a lot of great women. Like I feel like I'm treated the same. Perfect. Like I love to hear that because it's just not the case with everybody, you know, like it, it is different. There are plenty of men who work in women's sports, of course, but it's just overall, if you look at it, it's not quite the same the other way around. Although it's more and more, it's happening. It's like, there's people like you, even in the Super Bowl, there were like trainers and coaches and refs who are female, right? And like Kim Ng was just yeah. on the off side, like hired, like, I, I mean, so what do you, when you see other women like that, like what goes through your head? Are you like, yes, I relate to them? Or like, what's what's kind of your gut reaction? For sure. I'm I'm so excited to see where it's gone because I think back to when I first got out of college and I really wanted to, like, I loved baseball at the time. Baseball and just sports in general were kind of what still kept me grounded to home when I was at college. So I think that's really when I started becoming like a true Twins fan or a true Vikings fan. Um, and where was I going with this? Uh, a couple years out of that, I remember seeing Sue Falsoni being the first female, um, head athletic trainer in MLB. And I'm like, Whoa, it's possible. Like, this is exciting. I can do this. And as you start to approach that, you start to realize just how intimidating it is. Like I wanted a, a job in baseball, probably, about three to four years ago, but I wasn't ready for it. And the last few years not only have prepared me to be a better person in this role, um, but it's also just brought so many other women alongside. And it's so exciting to see like, it, it's very like, we have a lot of great women right now and it's, it's becoming a norm, maybe not, as norm as what we'd hope for it to be, but it's, it's becoming like, I, I didn't even think about it as being weird. Right. But that's kind of the goal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that's, that's it. That's what you want. It shouldn't be weird. Right. That's, that's what we hope for at the end of it all. And I, I just think that that's cool that you've already felt that. And I think the positive sides, I guess we have a lot of work to do still. But the positive side is like, yeah, this we have more women in sports and in male sports right now than ever before. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about it, that's a fact, right? So it's like, well, that's encouraging. You know, it's going in the right direction. We can build on that. Oh, for sure. There's definitely room for, for growth. And like I couldn't imagine this role if if there weren't other women in alongside me because and the men that support us too. I mean, it's, I don't know if I'm going to even word this the way I want to word it, but like we all bring such a unique strength to the team atmosphere that I think you're, you're missing something huge if you don't have all people involved from all sides. Yep. Not even yep. just men, women, but like from all different backgrounds that bring in different strengths and different viewpoints. Um, but it makes a better cohesive team when you have all of those differences that come together behind a common purpose. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. I know that's the gender piece of it. It's only the tip of the iceberg. There, there's so much more 
to that as well. But it is a, a good, it's a good start because it is like half the population, right? And it's like, well, we should start to kind of start to reflect those numbers as much as we can. But one thing I always wonder for women who are in a like, quote unquote, man's world sort of is we talked about, for example, like, hey, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to not know everything. But do you, have you ever, I mean, you've had a great experience from what you've said, but I always wonder for those women, like, do you ever feel like, oh, I, I want to make sure that I seem like I know the answers to everything though, because I want to prove myself at the same time. Like, I feel like it'd be kind of a weird balance maybe. That is a great question. Um, and I'll kind of lead with, I've, I feel very, like I'm very comfortable in my setting when I'm in the training room and when I'm working, even in the weight room, like I, I know what I'm doing in those places. Sometimes when I'm still stepping out onto the field and going in and watching bullpens and that kind of thing, I'm still learning. And that it goes back to our conversation from the start where I'm just going to be open with it and they're very open and accepting of the fact that I'm still learning and they, they value the strengths that I bring. And I think I'm also in a very great organization that just values that. So I don't even have to hide behind it. And I, I love that. So, um, it's, it's been good. I, I would be lying if I said that I feel a hundred percent comfortable everywhere just yet, but, uh, I'm working on it. <laughs> Oh, but I feel like if anybody's like, yeah, I totally am comfortable all the time. It's like, mm, you're lying, <laughs> you know, like that's not possible. And I don't think I'd want to be <laughs> like, if you're not uncomfortable, then like you got to push yourself outside the box a little bit. So, yeah, because you're obviously not growing. You're just like going through the motions and that's not, that's not what we want, you know, long term. That's not fulfilling. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now that makes sense. See, that, that's that's what I always wonder though. It's like, it's it's just such a balance. It's like you want to have that confidence, but you also want to be open to growth. And, and sometimes it's like, if you're, at least for me, if I'm like really, really open to growth, I'm like, oh, I don't know anything, <laughs> you know? But then if I'm too closed off, then I'm like, okay, well, I'm not growing enough. You know, it's just one of those things that I'm still trying to figure out in my life. Definitely. And I think like those are the best situations that I've found that if I just start asking others like what they're seeing and just start asking questions, I used to be terrible at asking questions. Um, but I've started to realize that if you just sit back and ask a question or two, then like those situations start to open themselves and then you're allowed to bring some of your expertise forward, but then start to see it with a different viewpoint. Um, right. I love, by the way, when you were talking about how obviously you're a Twins fan, now you're working with the organization. I love that in the beginning you were like, yeah, I went to Baylor to get away from home, you know, and I realize that like you're in Florida right now, right? Like it's not like you're in Minnesota, but you're still like kind of home in a way with Minnesota, with like the team. I know. And like this, it's, it really is just surreal how it all kind of panned out to be the Twins, like I wanted, if I was going to be in baseball, like I wanted a great team to be a part of, and I wanted great people to be around. I was very picky on what position I would 
move into and like I didn't just want a job in baseball like I wanted a great fit of a job in baseball um and that's it just so happened to be the twins and it's very exciting because um yeah I feel closer to home than I've been in over how long has it been 10 10 years or so um very much so that's the thing. It's like, you know, what do people say? Like hardly home, but always rep in, you know, it's like, yeah. I feel like that's you. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I will always rep home. Of course so. you have to come on. Minnesota pride. <laughs> yeah. I've actually never been to Minnesota. The, the Midwest is like kind of the area of the country that I've been to the least, but I want to, like, I've heard great things about some places in Minnesota. I have some friends that, like, one of one of them was from there. Um, she actually played volleyball at Virginia. She talks about it. They just, her and her husband just moved back there, you know, and, like, they, it's beautiful. And then, like, I hear great things about Chicago and all kinds of stuff. Yes, I would highly recommend that if you're going to visit those cities, you want to go in the summertime first. Um, Minnesota summers are beautiful. But you definitely want to experience summer and fall in love with it before you go in the middle of winter. So baseball season is kind of, it's perfect because if you are going to be in Minnesota, it's during the summer and during the spring and early fall. And then you can head back to Florida for the winter. <laughs> but That's, I'm in Florida yep. all year round now. So. <laughs> so your weather's a little more like mine in California where it's like, well, there isn't really like a winter a little spoiled. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and the beaches. Very much spoiled. Mm-hmm. Well, beaches that's fine. Only a plus. <laughs> well, you've earned it at this point. That's my take. Oh, man. But, okay, so when, when you were growing up, Twins fan, all that good stuff, did you have – you mentioned a couple already, but any other role models that you really looked up to? Um – like just in general, like yeah. growing up, I would say, so I had, I had great coaches. Like we kind of talk about like women in sports a little bit. It was never weird to me to even think about moving into a career in sports because I was surrounded by women in sports. Like all of my coaches were primarily female. I had a few male coaches, but like head coaches were all female in high school. Um, and one coach in particular was, um, was my volleyball coach. She was amazing. And I think back, I, I had this moment that right now in baseball, you really have to have, you do have to have tough skin in order to like, I mean, things happen and you got to be able to own up to things. And I'm, I thought back to a lesson of that volleyball coach really <laughs> instilled in me that, like she taught me a moment of toughness where like I really wanted to get off the court and she made me stay on the court. I was getting beat up in the back row and I'm like, you got to just take me out. You got to take me out. And she's like, no, you're staying in like, and I, to this day, like, I think that lesson just dawned on me maybe even a few weeks ago of that's what that moment taught me. Um, but she was, she was amazing. Um, and I, I had, yeah, I had such great female coaches, but, um, 
I think the lessons that she taught me were above and beyond like great. Like not just the sport, like this oh. is, you just said it, it's a life lesson. <laughs> life lessons like above and beyond. You didn't even know it. Um, she was one of a kind and she was like, she was my John Wooden growing up. I think that without her, um, I don't know that I would have been in this position either. So yeah, she's definitely, she's definitely up there. That's really cool because that's, that's the thing about our journeys and our paths. It's all the people along the way. Um, and it's funny that you, you literally use the phrase, like I basically be on the court because you're playing volleyball. But mm -hmm. I remember my first job out of college, I worked for LinkedIn and one of the big kind of things that they would always just say, like we would always say to each other internally was just be on the court, which is obviously yeah. like a sports analogy. We're working in tech. It's not exactly like there's no court. I mean, maybe there's like one for fun around the corner, but, but it was this, it was the concept that you're saying. It's like, no, just like stay there, like work through it, but also like be present, you know, like all of those things. And I think that's what, that's probably why though, like these life lessons, it's why everybody uses so many sports analogies. Like, because it makes the most sense, you know? And it's just like, it resonates. It really does. And like, I've, I don't know if you've ever heard this argument, but there are some people that are like, we don't need sports in school. We don't need, like, it should just be about school. And I 100% disagree <laughs> because they make you so much more well-rounded that they taught me more life lessons than school ever I should maybe shouldn't say that, but then school ever really did. Um, and it helps me apply those lessons to school. Right. So yeah. without that, like, yeah, you're missing out, like go play a sport. <laughs> like, I totally agree. Like, yeah, like that's how I feel about raising kids. Like I'm not going to force my daughter if I have one, like to play softball necessarily, but I want them to try things at least, mm -hmm. you know, to have those like learnings that you're talking about because yeah, like I agree. I learned probably more from softball than I, in terms of life, like you said, like life lessons, of course there's a, a space for like academia and like research and that kind of stuff. Like you should have both, but I do think there are parts of sports that are like just as important, you know, and in some ways maybe a little more important than some of the just basic classroom stuff. I just think both are, are you, ha you have to have both. 100% time management, accountability, responsibility, teamwork, culture, like all of those things that I think, uh, I think anybody who undervalues athletics, like you, you miss the boat entirely. So I'm with you. Well, with that being said, in terms of current student athletes that are interested in a career like yours, like in athletic training or physical therapy or something like that, what advice would you give to them? I would say start exploring. Um, and as stupid as you don't, as stupid as it sounds and as much as you don't want to hear it, like embrace the process and embrace the journey and know that it, it's not going to happen day one. And sometimes the better route is when it kind of happens organically and it starts to happen because you've put yourself in the right situations to learn things. Um, 
like I would say if you asked me two to three years ago, I kind of gave up on a career in baseball. Um, and I loved baseball enough that I kept learning about it and I kept putting myself in situations. And then this just kind of started to come about um, and happened very organically where I, I was able to come into this role and I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, I, I wasn't ready two years ago. And so if you're going to want to seek out experiences like this, you, you want to let them come to you. I think like be very proactive and put yourself in situations to learn and get better. Um, I'll even go back to a quote from Brandon. I don't know if he quoted this, but he pretty much told me like, read this book and do this. It's be so good that they can't ignore you. So, um, you just got to keep learning and be good enough that like you can contribute and be a team player. So. I think that's so true. Like even, so even like with me, for example, pursuing like a career in broadcasting for me, it's like, keep putting content out there, mm-hmm. you know, keep, keep doing this kind of stuff. Like, and for you, it was like, keep learning. It's like, but keep at it regardless. I agree with you though. It's not like it's just magically going to show up at your door. Like, of course you have to be proactive and you reach out to people and you learn and you do all kinds of things. But I think I really appreciate that advice for any career, to be honest. Yeah. It, it was like, don't tell Oh, if you told, if I told myself that three years ago, I would have wanted to slap myself. Um, and even my mentors who, <laughs> who just told me like, like, you got to just do this. You got to do this. And then I think he, one of my mentor, my professional mentors, he's like, so how'd you get that job? And I'm like, it was putting in the work and like keeping in contact with people and building relationships and all the things I didn't want to hear. <laughs> they're so true and they're so important. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Be humble. Be honest. Like learn, learn, learn some more, and then don't be afraid to ask questions and reach out to people. So that's spot on. And I like the fact that you said organic too, like that these opportunities are organic. I think organic means authentic. Yeah. And you're always going to be in a better place if it's authentic and organic. So I like that a lot. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) Clearly. Well, cool. I mean, so I I always wrap up with a fun little game with all of my guests. Um, it's called Safer Out. Okay. And it's it's really simple, but basically, like, I'll bring something up, and if you like it or you agree with it, then you'll say safe. If you don't like it or you don't agree with it, you'll call it out. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Um, okay. So first one is baseball pitchers hitting in the National League, safer out. That's tough. Um, I kind of threw your curveball right away. You did. You did. <laughs> Sorry. So personally, I pitched in high school, and I still loved hitting. So I would kind of say safe, but I, I don't like that they do it like one way in the National League and one – and then that you have the DH in the American League. I personally don't like that they mix it up. I think, I don't know. 
it is what it is, but yeah, we'll, we'll say safe. Yeah. No, I, I think I agree with you. Like, cause I, I love pitchers who hit. It's like my favorite thing. And mm-hmm. I was the same. I was a pitcher in high school and like, and I hit too and I loved it. But yeah, the inconsistency is a little weird and like the forcing mechanism might be a little bit weird, right? Like, oh, you have to hit kind of thing. But, yeah. but I, it's cool when it works well, you know? I don't know for those pitchers that really want to hit in a professional baseball. Awesome. Uh, I, I don't know that there's many, <laughs> like most right. of them just want to hone in on their craft of pitching and that's where they need to spend their time. So right. in that aspect, I, maybe I'm switching, but. No, but I think that's fair. See, I'm an Angels fan. So like, I'm like, Showtime, love it. Right. Like, cause, but that's not like a normal player, (laughs) you know, but okay. Yep. That's a good one. All right. And then the next one is bat flips. Safer out. Gosh. I, the, if it's, I think organic and authentic, I would say probably safe, but the the more ones that are a little bit too over the top, I'm not really a fan of, but that's just my style. But you do you. That's fine. Yeah. No, that, that's, exactly, that's exactly how I feel about it. And I feel like that's actually like as I've asked, because I asked everybody that one, and yeah. as I've asked more and more people, that's kind of like the main answer at this point is like, well, it's like, as long as it's authentic, it's okay. But if it's like you really force it and it's like ridiculous, then, you know. But I feel like in baseball, they have like these gold chains like bouncing around, you know, like they might have like <laughs> like dip in their mouth and you're like, what? <laughs> you don't see that in softball. <laughs> you don't quite see that in softball. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. Probably All out. right. Well, yeah. Out, out is fair. I'll, I'll take it. All right. Well, thank you for joining. This was really fun. It was really cool. Like you have a very unique story and I can see why Brandon was like, oh, she'd be awesome for this podcast because it's really cool to hear. I don't know. You know, we always talk about like pro athletes and things like that, but like I like to hear people's stories like, like we talked about athletes who like pursue something in sports that they really are passionate about that might not just be playing. Right. And it's, it's super cool to hear yours. So thank you for sharing it. Thank you for having me. This was, this was very fun. So thank you. It was super cool to learn more about Danielle's story. So unique, yet I think more people take paths like this that maybe aren't quote unquote normal or a little zigzagged than we realize. So I think it's helpful to hear about it, even for me, as I've already been in my career for a little bit now. But for me, she was super relatable. And I think I learned a few things too, which is always a win. And she and I are both spoiled right now with weather, too, with me in California, her in Florida. I know some people are still wearing their snow gear, and I'm sorry for that. But for those sunny days that are sure to come, you know you're going to need a good pair of sunglasses. So it's time to take your outdoor experiences better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. I know I need that. So use the exclusive code CANANCAST15 at canon.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Canon, clearly better. They'll hook you up. 
And with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about betting on yourself. You know, I'm just going to keep it really straightforward. Because if you don't bet on you, how can you expect anyone else to? When you have a dream or a goal, you have to believe that you can do it. If you don't believe you can, then you're not going to do it. It's that simple. And you might even paralyze yourself to the point where you don't even try to do it. You just think about it and daydream about it and never go for it. That's a tragedy, honestly. For me, I really had that light bulb kind of go off when I heard this saying that really says that the difference between a dream and a goal is a deadline. Dreams are open-ended, but goals have accountability to get something done by a certain time. It pushes you to actually do. And for me, one of my early dreams, for example, was to play Division I collegiate softball. And the cherry on top was to play in the Pac-12 conference. But it really moved from a dream to a goal when I pursued it fully and committed to the process. Travel ball, the sacrifices that go with it, practicing and working hard on my own with my dad, studying the game, all of it. And there was an obvious deadline. You know, you want to get that scholarship before the freshman year of college. Like, so you can be on that team, be a part of that program. And I'm a really anxious person, actually. But for some reason, when I was being recruited, I was pretty calm and content with what I was doing. And I think that was because I knew that I was doing everything in my power to reach my goal. I was investing in myself. I was investing my time into honing my craft, reaching out to coaches, putting myself out there. And I bet my most valuable possession that I had on myself, which was time that time to invest. So when certain coaches would watch and scout my games with my travel team, I just felt like, okay, I've done everything I can to prepare here. I've bet on myself to pursue this so far, and now I'm trusting that I can perform in this moment. And rather than think, you know, why me? Why would they choose me? I started thinking, why not me? And that ultimately is what led me to playing for Stanford softball and achieving my initial goal. The stars aligned. There's definitely a luck aspect to it, but it's also all of that investment and betting that you do on yourself leading up to that point that gets you there. So I challenge you to think, why not you? Invest in yourself and see what happens. So that's it. Bet on yourself. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen, including Believe.com. You can also watch the videos on YouTube. A lot of cool stuff there. Hit that subscribe button, rate the show, write a review, share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V. You can always reach out to me on Twitter at JennaBacera01 and Instagram at JennaBacera as well. Thank you for tuning in, as always, and catch you soon.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.